Well, good morning again, everyone. Um, Sunday morning, 7th of June, and it pleases me to be talking to you once again from the Word of God. I thought last yesterday was a good day. We started a subject this uh, that we dealt with, dealing with the Spirit of Jesus, and it's a subject that you can never exhaust. So I don't think two services are good enough, but at least it's good enough to give us a concept of what we're really addressing. So this morning, welcome to our uh, streaming session, and may God touch your mind as you join us. You won't believe it, 10 minutes is already gone of our time, and I'm thinking that the service we had yesterday, um, one of the things that we must remember, whether it's a service on the internet or a service that we sitting directly in church. Um, if you come to church, no matter how great the message is, if you come full, Jesus said, and the scripture says over and over again, you will leave empty. But if you come hungry, you will be filled. And so when you come to, when you come to a service, it is important to Come prepared to examine your life. And when I say that, I don't mean how many years you're serving the Lord. You might be serving the Lord 40 years. But God's word is often fresh. And it might have areas in the word of God that might be able to reveal uh, in you how much improvement you need on your Christian life. It is important, Jesus told a a religious element in his time, he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, I think that was in the Gospel of John, where Jesus went on, and I've gone over a lesson some time ago where I showed that many believed on him when they saw the miracles which he did. And then that was in chapter 2, and by the time you reach it, chapter 4, uh, many more believed on him when they heard him preach in the to the Samaritans, and then by the time you reach it, chapter 6, uh, they, many that believed in him because he placed a st strong call for discipleship, many of his disciples fell away from following him and walked no more with him. By the time we come to chapter 7, uh, we find a different situation. Now many are starting to come again back into the church. By the time we get to chapter 8, uh, it says when many heard the way he preached, they believed on him. But Jesus, by that time, he knew how fickle and changeable human nature was. Uh, what he did in chapter 8 of the Gospel of John is that he said, well, you believe on me, but if you continue in my words, then are you my disciples indeed. This is very important, not only to be said to the people 2,000 years ago, but it may be said to us today, if we continue in his word. That is not memorizing his word, it, if we continue living uh, according to, demand, to the demands of scripture. He says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And the element that was, were listening to him, this is what you mean, uh, set us free. We are not in bondage. Well, today, I would like to leave that element and come closer to our 
uh, day and our lives. Uh, if you know the truth, I'll tell us today, if we know the truth, the truth will set us free. Well, you know, one of the main areas of truth that I feel we ought to examine is not the truth about the Godhead, not the truth about the resurrection, not the truth about the kingdom or the mortality of the soul or any one of these doctrines, but what about the truth about yourself? And that is the truth that every one of us must examine when we come to church. We come on in and we sit in the sanctuary, or you're listening to me over the internet right now, and the most important truth to start your journey is the truth about yourself, examined against Scripture. Uh, your life examined against Scripture, and if God has touched your mind, you will find the closer you draw to God like Isaiah, when Isaiah saw the Lord in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, he says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. The closer you come to the, to the holiness of God and the glory of God is the more you see, you recognize your nothingness. Uh, uh, Abraham, uh, he said, I think it was Abraham or David that said that, um, I am a worm. David said, I'm a worm and no man. Abraham or Job said, I repent in dust and ashes. These great men, uh, when they encounter the, the glory and the holiness of God, they saw themselves as nothing. It is sad that in our day, the closer we seem to get to God is the more we feel we are holy. And we are holier, some of us, maybe holier than uh, we feel God is. It is sad because in my years of serving God, the closer I get to the end line is the more unworthy I see myself. And it is important that we examine the truth about ourselves, examine our dedication, examine our hypocrisy, examine how much we genuinely have God's spirit working in our lives. As we endeavor to examine the spirit of Jesus here today, a little further on, I ask you to look at the gospel of Luke for a little bit. And I appreciate Luke because for years I thought about these, these authors of the gospels. I thought of Matthew. I said Matthew was an apostle. He was a disciple that became an apostle. Uh, Mark was a young man that got converted uh, during the missionary journeys and he was uh, rebuked one time for being fickle and Paul's uh, uh, before Paul died he requested that Mark join him so Mark was not an apostle and Luke was not an apostle John and Matthew were apostles so for years I did not pay much attention to Luke because sometimes you see a seeming contradiction in scripture where Luke might be saying something that John did not say or Matthew did not say and then you become nervous about it but as i keep kept on studying the word of god i discovered that luke was phenomenal because luke was writing his gospel or he was writing this document for theophilus after his missionary journeys with paul this man was converted he might have been a half jew or or just a physician but he was converted and as you look at the Gospel of Luke, he writes a few beautiful things here. 
And I would like to look at some of these as we move on with this lesson and hope we can get somewhere today. And uh, in writing here, Luke writes and he says, um, he says to Theophilus, he says, verse 3, it seems good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to the to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Now notice his words. He says, I have perfect understanding. Verse 2, as they delivered them. Who delivered them? Me back up. I have to, can leave verse 1. For as much as many, many, many individuals have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Notice how he associated himself with the Christian body of Christ in that time. He says, even as they, these witnesses, delivered them unto us, which were from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. I like how he says that, ministers of the word. He writes like a matured uh, man of God. Uh, he says, I did not get it from a little sister dung in uh, the alley that she said she saw the miracles. He says, I got it from men that were ministers of the word. And so this, this man's authority was strong. But then as he goes on here and he highlights the uh, birth, uh, the conception and birth of John the Baptist, he describes Zacharias in verse 5. Zacharias of the course of Abiah and his wife, whose name was Elizabeth. And then he says in verse 6, these were, and they were both righteous. I appreciate Luke's emphasis of righteousness and blameless. I appreciate his emphasis on the Holy Ghost. Because if we're to understand anything about Jesus, we need to first of all understand that the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost as we would say, is the spirit of Jesus. It is important that we understand that. Oh, if we can go into theological aspects of it. God the Father and God the Son and the Spirit of the Holy Spirit that's in the Father and the Son. And there's another aspect I would not even want to touch today. And when you read in Revelation, it says there are seven spirits uh, before the Lord, standing before the Lord. There are seven, seven spirits before the throne of God. Now, these are very important areas to go to. Some other time we'll deal with that. But Luke went on here, he says, both Zacharias and Elizabeth, verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. This reminds me of the Apostle Paul. Someone once asked me that the Apostle Paul, when he says, the things that I would do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I should do, uh, uh, the things that I should do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I shouldn't do, I find myself doing, oh, wretched man that I am. Somebody asked me one time, a young preacher wrote to me and asked, he says, what was Paul battling? What do you think he was battling with in the flesh? What do you think he was having a problem with? that he could not overcome. I said, I don't think he was writing that for his benefit. I think he was writing that for the carnal people in Rome to read because you read chapter one, they were all backslidden and people carried away with diverse lust 
and uh, problems that existed so much in Rome that God gave some of them over to a reprobate mind. I said Paul was writing to put himself in that position so he can offer them hope. But I said when Paul wrote to the Philippians, he says concerning the righteousness which is in the law, he said I was blameless. Uh, he said I was blameless. So the man before he even got converted, he was blameless like Zacharias and Elizabeth. And it comes down here when the angel uh, appeared to Zacharias in the temple as he was performing his religious responsibilities as a priest, verse 15. And uh, this angel told him that his wife, in verse 13, that his wife will conceive and bear a son. And he would call his name John. Even the name was selected by the angel. And then he says in verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. This was foreordained. This was prescribed for, John the, for Zacharias to know that when this boy was born, and of course Zacharias could not believe it because his wife was barren. But it took the power of God. And it says, he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb prior to the day of Pentecost. Now this being filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb is not the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we see on the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is important for every child of God that wants to uh, defeat the carnal nature that we have warring against us and to have Christ developed in us. But there, prior to the day of Pentecost, there were individuals led by the Spirit. And this is why we're looking at the Gospel of Luke. And Luke is bringing this out. And then we skip over here because of time. And it says here that when the baby, uh, when uh, the angel went up to Mary in verse 26, and Mary was a virgin, and uh, this angel spoke to Mary, and Mary uh, could not see this. In verse 34, Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I'm not married? I know not a man. And the angel said unto Mary, and Luke emphasized this again, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And you know how it went on. And Mary started to speak under the inspiration of God. <clears throat> and uh, she was considered blessed. And then Mary left her home and she went to visit uh, Elizabeth who was cousin to her. And when she got there in verse 41 it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary... The babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The power of God came on this woman. Why I'm saying all of this, I'm referencing the Holy Ghost here prior to the day of Pentecost because we all need to seek for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But if you try to receive the baptism and you're not receiving it, don't get discouraged. The Spirit of God can still touch your life. And lead you on. You should do your best to receive the baptism, but leave the rest to God. Do not fake the baptism. Do not fake 
your Holy Ghost baptism. And as I'm talking to you today, if you're listening to me and you knew that you know for years you have faked the Holy Ghost baptism, you need to repent and turn to God and ask God to forgive you and then seek after God and let holiness become a part of your life. Because I believe you can fake the baptism by fleshly means. You can be possessed with demons that will speak in tongues. Or you can have the genuine Holy Ghost that can lead you into righteousness. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of Jesus. And when it fills you, it will manifest the spirit of Jesus in your life. Now, what some people call the spirit of Jesus is not what we see manifesting in the church. And so that is why I ask you to read the fifth chapter of Galatians, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Now I'm going to hold on to Luke coming back here, but I'm going to Galatians and I'm going to read in chapter 5 of Galatians what are the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus. I know Galatians says fruit of the Spirit, but I'm going to say fruit of the Spirit of Jesus. Or I'd like to characterize that as the characteristics of Christ. So when you say the Spirit is moving in the church, I'm looking for some of this. That is written here in Paul's writing to the Galatians and hoping to see that manifested. It says the fruit of the Spirit, verse chapter uh, 5 verse 22 is love. I look, somebody got the Holy Ghost. Do they have the love of God working in their lives? What about joy? And last night, uh, yesterday I said joy does not mean you have the Holy Spirit giggles. Now I'm, I'm sometimes obnoxious. But I don't believe that the Holy Spirit, this dove-like experience, would make somebody laugh like a hyena, hyena in church. I don't believe that. I've seen that happen in pagan religions where I'm coming from. I don't believe the Holy Ghost will be violent and, and rude and crude. But let's read about it. The Spirit of Jesus is love, <clears throat> joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So when I look at you and you say the Holy Ghost is touching you and you're jumping up and down and hitting the pews and knocking things over, I can tell you Brother Singh is sitting there or watching you. You can conclude what my conclusion is. Because the Spirit of Jesus speaks of tranquility, speaks of maturity, speaks of sobriety, speaks of modesty, it speaks of gentleness, it is manifested in majesty, not ignorance and emotionalism and extreme boisterousness. Now, Jesus never did that when he walked on this earth and when he gives us the Spirit. It will never manifest that. But the devil has inserted in the church what he called the Spirit of God. Counterfeit Holy Ghost. That is why I say if you fake it, repent 
and ask God for the genuine Holy Ghost in your life because you're still dead in trespasses and sin if the Spirit of God did not touch your life. And if you don't have His Spirit, no matter you're quoting the whole Bible unto me, I prefer you live the Bible than quote it to me. I prefer you live the messages I preach than try to preach back to me. Let your example and your life be your advice and your testimony. That's how we overcome the devil. By the blood of the Lamb that cleanses us genuinely and a godly testimony in a lifestyle that follows. And so when I'm thinking of the Spirit of Christ, I'm thinking of this, this that is manifested, uh, that is recorded here in Galatians chapter 5. Well, <clears throat> Paul had the Spirit working on him in 2nd in, in Corinthians chapter 10. We're coming back to Luke in a minute. But in 2nd Corinthians chapter 10, this man, the Corinth, felt he did not have the Spirit. I believe when he was in that church in Corinth, he probably was the only one that had the Spirit. But you see, they had a mechanical operation. And that is why he wrote 1 Corinthians 14 about order when it comes to the manifestations of the Spirit operation in the church and the gifts. He concluded chapter 14 by, said, by saying that everything be done decently and in order. They were already accusing him that he didn't have the Spirit. The man that started the church, now they thought he was too old and senile. I've had experiences like that in my own life. You see me sitting here talking to you today. I can boast about how many years I'm in the ministry. But that's not it. I've been serving the Lord for many, many years. And I'm, I have not lost my revelation. And I sit and see little babies with diapers grow up. And they put on, they get off their pampers, start to walk a little. And then they learn to spell Jesus. And then they can quote a few scriptures. And when they can do a little talk in church, they feel they need to teach the pastor the gospel. Let me tell you something. I might be an old man sitting in the corner, but don't try to teach me the scripture. Unless you're called. And yet, I would stand by and learn from a child. A child might say something that teaches me. I remember the day, I'm looking at my time. I remember the day when Timothy, he's sitting in church today, but I remember when he was about six years old and I was busy in my garden. How can I ever forget that? And he comes up to me and says, Grandpa, I've got something to tell you. I said, go ahead, tell me. And I'm busy. He says, Grandpa, I've got something to tell you. In those days, he was always neatly dressed, shoes on, neatly shirted, tucked in his pants, always standing there neat and tidy. I said, God, tell Grandpa. He says, Grandpa, you're not listening to me. So I stopped what I was doing, and on my knee, I was eyeball to eyeball with his six-year-old. He says, you promise me? I said, okay, go ahead, speak to your grandpa. He says, you promise me you will not be upset? I said, I promise you I will not be upset. He says, really? I said, yes. He says, I love Spider-Man more than I love Jesus. I promised him not to get upset. And so I looked him in the eye. He says, you're not upset? I said, no, I promise. 
He says, can I tell you something else? I said, might as well. He says, I love Indiana Jones music more than church songs. He was 16. He was six years. Now he is over 18. But I could never forget that because I went to work that night. I was doing a night shift on a security gatehouse and I sat there and I said to myself, I said, God, what kind of grandson you give me? that he's going to tell me he loves Spider-Man more than Jesus. Of course, today, if Timothy walks in the church and he sees a little spider in the corner, he sees him when we don't. He takes a different track. So spiders did not really work with him. But I stood there at the gatehouse and I said, how could my grandson make such a statement when I'm the pastor for the church? And you know, little inner voice speak to you and says, well, for the month, that was probably the only honest statement you ever heard. Because we like to hear what we want to hear, what pleases us. We don't like to hear what disrupts our lifestyle. And when Paul got into Corinth, the people did not like to hear what they should hear. And they're carrying on. Many speaking in tongues at the same time. And Paul says, you're speaking in an unknown tongue. Speak in private. If you're speaking in a language, unknown language, then somebody needs to interpret. And somebody says, well, in our church, we're speaking unknown uh, tongues, and then uh, somebody interprets in English. And my question is, was there anybody speaking any other language in that building? No, we all speak English. Well, why did God have to go about all that trouble to have someone speaking a known tongue just to speak to a congregation that only speaks English? Wouldn't I be sad if I'm preaching to you in Italian today? And then when I spend 20 minutes pre preaching to Italian, I need somebody in Italian here. No, we have another guy needs to interpret what I said? Wouldn't it be easier for me just to speak English to you? Tongues and interpretation is for a manifestation of the power of God when someone is there that does not understand the language that is being spoken. It's a sign to the unbeliever. And Paul corrected this in Corinth. They did not like him. See, a lot of people that believe in, in Holy Ghost laughter in church would be upset with me today. A lot of people that believe in jumping wild and acting like an idiot uh, that that's the Holy Ghost will be upset with me today. But guess what? I got to preach the word of God because Jesus wouldn't do that. Paul wouldn't do that. Uh, Matthew wouldn't do that. J uh, Peter wouldn't do that. Why should you do that? We need to rely on the order of the early church. And so I got to move on. And here Paul is writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. He says, now I, Paul, beseech you. He says, I myself beseech you. I'm begging you by the meekness. And if you're sitting wherever you are, say meekness. And gentleness of Christ. See, Paul had that on him. He had the spirit of Jesus working in his life. So he had the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Yet when he had to preach to hypocrites, he called hypocrites hypocrites. See, the reality of truth 
is truth about myself. Am I a hypocrite to a certain degree? Then I need God to help me. Don't pretend to be what you're not. Yet, when you shine, let your light shine, not your darkness in, in the community. And so Paul says, I'm preaching to you in the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence I'm base among you. They had Paul, when he comes to sit in their church, they give him a low seat. He says, but being absent and bold towards you, he says, I got more liberty to preach when I'm writing a letter. Isn't that sad? It is sad because every church that the Lord started was undermined eventually by the devil. And so you and I are not infallible. You and I are not infallible to the deception of the devil. We are not infallible to the possibility of losing out with God and becoming apostate like Israel did in Isaiah 1 and, and, and they did in Jeremiah chapter 1 and 2. So we've got to be careful. And so I've got uh, 10 minutes to go, so let me move here back in Luke. And so in Luke's gospel, uh, the Holy Ghost touched Elizabeth and the babe was filled with the Holy Ghost. And it says here in chapter uh, 1 and verse uh, 41, it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she started to prophesy. Now that's, you read that prophecy by yourself and you'll find out how wonderful things were said because the Holy Ghost touched Elizabeth. And then it went on here uh, when the time was come that the baby was born. Uh, Zacharias, because he doubted the angel, he was made dumb. And so here when the baby was born in verse 6 to 7 and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost after the Lord touched him and loose his tongue, it says Zacharias uh, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he had visited and redeemed his people. And he goes on here, a wonderful exhortation under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Now here was a child born under the influence of the Holy Ghost. And so when he was of age, maybe 9, 10, or 13, 14, I don't know what age it was, but as he was growing up in his father's house, his dad was a priest, and his mom was the wife of a priest, and you would think that the son of a priest should be brought up in the temple. But at that time when Jesus came, the temple was filled with the educated, not the illuminated. That is why when Jesus was 12 years old, he went into the temple to meet with lawyers and doctors, which scripture said that the temple should be filled with lawyers and doctors. May God help us in our age that we don't take on that spirit of apostate Israel. And so John did not need to go to the temple because they were apostate. So what did God do with him? Verse 80. And the child grew and waxed strong in the spirit. And was there in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. God took him away from institutional religion. Had him in the desert. 
Now, in chapter 4, this is so beautiful because I have so many areas here. In chapter 2, sorry, in chapter 2, it says here in verse 25, when Jesus now was brought to the temple to be dedicated, prior to the day of Pentecost, it says there was a man named Simeon, chapter 2, verse 25. And it says, Behold, there was a man of Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Jesus, was upon him. The Holy Ghost was upon him. Spirit of the Father, Spirit of the Son. Don't have time to get into that, but you can go read John 14. You'll find that Jesus says, Me and my Father will come. That is on the day of Pentecost and take our abode in you. And so it comes down here, and in, in uh, uh, Simeon was filled with the Holy Ghost, and uh, waiting for the consolation of his, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed, verse 26, unto him by the Holy Ghost. Can a person be led by the Holy Ghost? Yes. The scriptures, Paul, Peter Wright, is not for private interpretation. But men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Isaiah was moved by the Holy Ghost. Jeremiah was moved by the Holy Ghost. Micah was moved by the Holy Ghost. And so was every prophet in the Old Testament. And so, my friend, I'm saying all of that to tell you, don't fake it. Seek God for it. Do your best and leave to God the rest. But you can still live godly, even if you don't speak in tongues. Then you're faking the tongues and living sinful. Be an overcomer. Ask God. It's not by might nor by power, by my spirit, saith the Lord. Old Testament scripture. Enoch walked with God. You too can walk with God today, my friend. Don't be a fake. Let's incorporate the spirit of Jesus. And then it comes down here. And the Holy Ghost, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the, the Lord's Christ. And he, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. Isn't that wonderful? He came by the Spirit and there were lots of babies. The Jews proliferated from within. So there were babies, a lot of babies to be circumcised and dedicated that day. But the Holy Ghost pointed out one child in the midst of an apostate bunch of families and their children. There were still a few people elect serving God. Simeon was one. And then in chapter 4, and that's where I'll close off today. And let's see how much minutes I've got. Five minutes. In chapter 4... You know how it, the story of Jesus, um, he, before he started his ministry, he went on into the wilderness and he fasted and prayed for 40 days. When I was young and I fasted for three, four days, my gosh, I feel like I'm the power of God. You know, if I fast for five days... Uh, Y'all best watch out with me. I fasted, man. I'm holy. I, 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 you know, especially if a demon runs from you. 
And it happened. Demon possessed person run from you. And you, you feel that goosebump, you know. And you feel you are the power of God. Well, Jesus fasted 40 days. And let's check his spirit out. And it says, and Jesus being what? Full, 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 full of the Holy Ghost. Returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit. After his water baptism, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he was tempted there for 40 days of the devil. All right? And when that time was done, it says, verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. How was he Pentecostal? Big question. Well, he got a Spirit. Well, you see, having the Spirit does not mean you conduct yourself like an idiot. Having the spirit of Jesus brings a stability. You can be an idiot before, but when you receive the Holy Ghost baptism, it brings a tranquility and the meekness and gentleness and the long-suffering and all these characteristics of the attributes of Christ in your life. So Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, hopscotch from the wilderness into the temple. Is that what he did? No, he did not. He came on in and then he got into the temple uh, by the power of the Spirit. And when he came into the temple in Nazareth, verse 16, and verse uh, 16 and 17 says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He's going to stand up now to read. He read the scripture in Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the broken hearted and to preach deliverance to the captives, those souls that are held in prisons. He was there, spiritual prison houses. He was there to preach deliverance to them. And deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And give it back to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them in the synagogue were fastened on him because normally you need to exhort a little, it seems. And he began to say unto them, and this is the first thing he said, and I don't know how they took this. He says, verse 21, he says, this day is this scripture in Isaiah fulfilled in your ears. Now we saw them there and he understood what he was dealing with. And he didn't say this scripture is fulfilled in your hearts and God will bless you for your understanding. He says all you got here is your ears tickled by the scripture. He says this day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And the Bible says, and all bear him witness and wondered <clears throat> at the gracious words. See where Paul got that spirit from? The gracious words. Paul says, grace, uh, gracious and meekness of graciousness and meekness. He says, gentleness of Christ, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they start to question him because the greatest enemy to missions are prejudice and indifference with ignorance being the mother of both, someone said years ago. 
And so they knew him, so he could not be great. Is not this Joseph's son? What makes he think he's going to tell us the scripture is fulfilled? And it says that, and this, this, this was in the temple. And you know what happened that day? The entire congregation. I want to find that scripture here. Uh, when he went on and he uh, preached to them, and it says in verse 28, And all day in the synagogue, when they heard these things, the entire church in Jerusalem there, in that synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. And they rose up, trussed him out of the city, led him into the brow of the hill, whereon the, the city was built, that they might cast him down. In other words, what I want to tell you, as time ran out on me here, is that <clears throat> he preached gently. You know, he sat down. He was a preacher that always sat down. So that's why I thought this COVID operation here is teaching some of us how to sit and preach rather than kicking the pulpit down. I've admired all our ministers that are sitting down and talking so modestly and not having laryngitis when it's over. And when Jesus was done, the most anointed individual, 40 days fasting and praying, not a single soul believed him because God did not touch their eyes. And today as I'm talking to you, if God doesn't touch your eyes, you wouldn't see past your nose bridge, spiritually speaking. So may God touch your eyes. Do you know, immediately after that, if you read further on in Luke, Jesus left there, escaped for his life, and he met a man possessed with the devil. And the man that was possessed with the devil, in verse 41 said, and the devils also came out of many crying out and saying, Thou art the Christ. The devil recognized who he was, and God's people did not. What a sad situation for God's work to be in. When the God's people in the synagogue rejected Jesus, and the devils recognized him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another time we can spend in your presence. I appreciate the privilege you've given to me to share the gospel. Lord, would you help me that I would only utter what you would want me to say? And would you touch hearts and ears that they would only receive because you have opened their understanding? Touch our eyes, touch our hearts. Let the word of God not be only heard in our ears, but received in our hearts. Change our lives, we pray. Help us not to be fakes, but genuine. Help us to, first of all, examine the truth about ourselves before we proceed on with our Christian endeavors to live for you, Father. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you again on Wednesday night.